James up here. There we go. Hi, James. Hey, everybody. You gotta introduce the podcast. You're the host, Cece. I'm the host. Hey, guys. My name is Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. <laughs> and welcome to the very first episode of The 13th Floor, hosted by Cece. Oh, Alex. <laughs> and James. And James. Um, basically, our deal is talking about conspiracy theories. They interest us. They're weird. And we'd like to share our thoughts and feelings on them with you. The listeners. Yeah, all you listeners. You beautiful listeners out there. <laughs> Two people, probably. Um, oops. Um, our podcast is just about conspiracy theories. Right. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff from Bermuda Triangle to... Uh, Lizard people. Yeah. All sorts of cryptids and paranormal stuff. And I just want to apologize to everybody. I'm currently overcoming a cold. Which is a great thing to do when you record your first episode of a podcast. Yeah. So, you guys, it's onward and upward from here. <laughs> so, for our first episode, we've chosen a conspiracy theory that is pretty... Uh, it's popular. Yeah, it's pretty popular. You've probably heard of it. And if you haven't, well, you're about to. We're going to talk about the lizard people. Lizard people. <laughs> lizard and, people. And we've all taken our own spin on it. Yes. Right? We've, Three we've, different topics, I guess. We've all done a little research on this wonderful topic. And we're all going to teach you about some different angles of the lizard people conspiracy. Well, before we go into it, though, we should kind of explain ourselves. What kind of perspective do we have on these types of conspiracy theories, ghosts, all this kind of stuff? What about you, Cease? What do you mean? Explain myself. Are you a believer in these types of things? Ah, sometimes. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm not. And I will tell you whether I believe in the lizard people conspiracy after we talk about all of our stuff. Okay. What about you, James? Uh, for me, it really does depend on the phenomena. Um, I like to think of myself as a skeptic, but nine times out of ten, I probably don't really fit in that camp. <laughs> James, I would say almost ten times out of ten, you probably wouldn't fit in that camp. <laughs> oh, and uh, I'm a complete skeptic on... Just about all of it. Yeah, Alex is a skeptic. I'm a half skeptic, and James is an almost always believer. So you yeah. get a lot of snide comments from me on just about everything. I'm pretty sure. I'll try to keep it down, not interrupt. But we'll God, see. I'm, I can't. You all can't see me roll my eyes, so I have to do something. Rude. Let's talk about lizard people, which is what we're here to do. Who's going first? I'm going first. What do you got? I am going to be talking about the history of this conspiracy theory. Where did it originate? I don't know. I'm waiting for you to tell me. Yeah, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to delve into the history of this theory and we'll talk about a very humble man who seems to have kind of taken on the role of the, the father of this theory. And his name is David Icke. If you've never heard of David Icke, he's a very interesting fellow. And he has a very different background. He did not always, he was not always a conspiracy theorist. He previously worked as he was a football player. He's from England, though. 
born on. So is this football, foot like American football or soccer? That I don't know. That's a good question. The world will never know. I'm assuming it's soccer. Because he's British. Because he's British. Mm. But he was born on April 29th, 1952 in England. Leicester, to be exact. I think I read that on Wikipedia, which is where I got a lot of my research. But yeah, David Icke was born. He played soccer until his career was ended by an injury. He hurt some part of his body. I don't know what part. Big toe. Big toe. But then he couldn't He couldn't play anymore. So... He then went on to become a news broadcaster. And then from there, he became the, quote, son of the godhead. Let me explain. According to Wikipedia, he went to a psychic at some point in his life. I think this was 1990, which is when a lot of this stuff started to uh, happen for him. But he went to a psychic, and the psychic told him that he was put on Earth with a purpose. Aren't we all, though? I know you were, James. Um, Absolutely. But he was put on Earth with a special purpose and that he's going to start getting messages from the spirit world. And then he, you know, he heard that and he took it, took it in. He was like, this is my reality. This is my truth. This is what I got to do in order to live my life. From there, he went on national television and he announced to the world that he was son of the Godhead. And he was told by a spirit that the world was going to be ending soon. So he announced that the world was ending in 1990. Well. Did the spirit people tell him about the lizard people? I don't know. I think he might have just come up (laughs) on his own. Okay. So, okay. So these spirit people that were wrong, he decided, all right, I'm going to run with it. They were wrong this time. I'm just going to run with all this crazy stuff. I'm just going to run with it. Yeah, no, he he uh, he announced to everybody that the world was ending. And uh, he lost a little bit of credibility at that point. Just oh. a little bit. And he kind of disappeared for a while. And while he was gone, he started writing books. And that was kind of his claim to fame with the whole conspiracy theory background. But he started writing books. Okay. Uh, one of his most famous books... Let me find it on here. I can't even remember what it's called, so it's obviously not that famous. I would like to be in the room when he explains himself after the world doesn't end. <laughs> what's he what's he tell everybody? He, he's betting zero for zero, and he decides that he's going to branch off to a new sect of things and get millions and millions of followers. He Yeah, he, he wrote this book. Yeah. I think it's called The Biggest Secret. That's what it's called. James, you know, is it called The Biggest Secret? I believe so. I believe you're right. Yeah, it's the biggest secret. And it is about the uh, the lizard people conspiracy. Okay, are you ready for it? I'm going to dive deep into this conspiracy because it's bananas and you're going to love it. And I'm just going to tell you where David Icke gets his theory because that's one of the things when I was researching this, I'm like, where did he get all of these ideas? And he claims, according to a video of a speech that he did on YouTube, um, he says that he got most of his facts as he will say, from the Nag Hammadi. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah, he said that's where he got a lot of this information from these texts. And in case you're unfamiliar, listener, with the Nag Hammadi, it is a collection of ancient texts. They were found by a farmer, which I'm just going to go off on a mini tangent here. They were found by a farmer, which <laughs> then led me to look into other things that were found on farms that were ancient. And that really took me down a really deep rabbit hole. The Mormon tablets. 
Yeah. Spoiler alert, a lot of fake things. <laughs> or real. Well, according mm-hmm. to some website that I, I saw, it said a 3,000-year-old wheel was found on a farm and an ancient Ro- Roman mosaic and dinosaur bones. Oh, wow. What a shocker about that last one. Well, then I thought, James, you lived on a farm growing up. Did you find anything interesting? I found a few old things, but most of them are like from the 19th century, not yeah, like before. What? what do you find? Uh, let's see. One of the coolest things I ever found was a thunder egg, which is what happens when lightning strikes sand and it melts it under the earth and uh, it creates this glass uh, ball. It's really cool. And I also found an old uh, mule shoe, not to be mistaken for a <laughs> horseshoe because this shape is a little different. And just old pottery, like old cups and things and arrowheads. Oh, absolutely. And, and the arrowheads, absolutely. I, I found uh, a flint napping stone that who knows how old that is. It, that could be centuries old as far as that goes. Yeah, I, actually, I never thought about it until, you know, because it's normal where I'm at. So yeah. hearing you guys say that, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that is unusual. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, that the, the Nag Hammadi was found on a farm near the town of Nag Hammadi, which is what it's named after. And the texts are estimated to date from the 3rd and 4th centuries. So these books are hella old. They're currently being kept at a museum in Cairo, in case you ever want to see them in person. But Ike claims that these texts provided him with most of the information about a group of people, or entities is what I'll call them because they're not real people, called the Archons. And the Archons are basically the exact same thing as reptilians. According to Ike, they're ancient inorganic entities. And he kind of likens them to cyborgs. They're not, I guess, living creatures. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. But Ike says that they have no imagination and that they envy humans for having imaginations. Was this in the text or is this something he's deciphered on his own? Um, interesting to mention that, um, I've, I'm actually, it's, I'm fascinated that this is where he got that information from because I've studied the Nag Hammadi and I've studied Gnosticism and I'm, I'm shocked that that's, that lizard people and archons are the same thing. That's totally his interpretation Yeah. because by most Gnostic reckoning and uh, an archon is more like a golem or a, a spiritless being. It's, uh, uh, you know, you think about the new meme about NPCs, it, it kind of fits that more so than like lizard people. It's it's soulless beings that sort of serve the Demiurge, uh, who's, who's like this wicked God who a lot of Gnostics think is the God of the Old Testament. They think that the God of the New Testament is a nice guy, but the God of the Old Testament is a different being and he's a, a douche. Yeah. Well, Can I say douche? In the, the little video <laughs> that I watched of Ike, he talks about the Demiurge. It's like the, at least the way that I understood it, and I could be, you know, wrong. If I'm wrong, don't get your panties in a bundle. <laughs> but basically, the Demiurge is like the the devil of all devils. He's like the demon of all demons. Sort of, yeah. It, it's weird how Gnosticism works uh, according to their belief system. It's, Gnosticism is almost like what would happen if Jesus had hung out with Hindus uh, before he started preaching. It, like, effectively, what they think is... The earth was created by the Demiurge, who is a blind, wicked creature who has no beginning and no end. And he created the earth and he created all the people on it, which in and of itself, you think, well, okay, he sounds like a nice guy. But he did so expressly to be worshipped and revered. And what the Demiurge doesn't realize is that he has a good counterpart who never wanted 
creation to exist because he was perfect the way he was. And this being is called the ineffable. So feeling sorry for humans for, for worshiping the Demiurge, he sends his first messenger in the form of a serpent, which is Satan. And he gives human beings the power of knowledge. Well, this pisses off the Demiurge to no end, and so he curses man, as we can see in Genesis. So then later, feeling sorry for humans again and trying to get them to come back and be reunited with him, he sends Jesus. And so then Jesus teaches people how they can liberate themselves from this foul creation and reunite with the ineffable, uh, which, you know, the Demiurge isn't cool with for obvious reasons. So it's a real, it's almost an inversion of modern Christianity. It's very interesting stuff. Well, it's interesting that you use the word inversion because that is David Icke's biggest theory. He says basically these archons, their goal is to invert the natural order or um, our reality, a good reality where there's sunshine and rainbows and happiness. And their job is to invert it into something that is fearful and creates anxiousness and chaos, basically, because archons live off of fear. Without fear, they cannot survive. So does their form of substance. Sustenance. So they're like psychic vampires. Interesting. Yeah, they're energy vampires. They're the yellow Hmm. lanterns from Green Lantern. They they live off fear too. That also works. (laughs) Well, you know, fear is the Archon's um, meal of choice. So they're going to do everything they can to create fear on the world. And that's why they're said to create awful things like war and terrorism. And they're kind of, you know, projecting these terrible things so that they have something to eat. And according to Ike, they like to eat off the fear of children the most, which I thought was creepy. But yeah, they, they want to create fear amongst the masses so that they can have a good old yummy bowl of sorrow. Mm, I bet they're getting their fill right now. <laughs> but Archons manifest as world leaders, um, which you'll hear Alex probably talk about a little bit later. But oh. they they uh, do this so they have credibility and they can more easily invert our reality into one of fearful acceptance where we just blindly follow their agenda and what they want us to see. And we're scared all the time. Oh. Oh, which I thought was very Oops. interesting. But Ike likens the archons to a type of computer computer virus. He says that archons are not creative. They have no imagination and they cannot create things on their own. They need the creations of others that they can then manipulate and twist into whatever, whatever they want. So they're constantly uh, altering our reality and turning it into something that we're afraid of. So, but the archons are not lizard people, right? No, they are. They are lizard people. Lizard people have a whole bunch of different names, y'all. There's archons, and according to Ike, all of the different civilizations throughout the world have had different names for these creatures, but they're all basically the same thing. Like, they've been called serpent gods in some cultures, Anunnaki, snake brothers, star people. How do you say it? Anunnaki. Anunnaki. Um, Demons. My favorite favorite one is the Chitari, which everyone would know from the first Avengers film. The first Avengers film. Jeez. <laughs> but that's that's just a little bit about Archons. So what does an Archon look like, y'all? James is going to talk a little bit more about the biology of Archons here in a little while, or reptilians. <laughs> but Archons, according to Ike, can shapeshift, and they can turn into whatever they want. So that is why world leaders may look like, you know, actual people. But in reality, they're these crazy reptilian people. So... <laughs> so they shapeshift 
they're not like wearing something. They just, they can just shape shift at will. Yeah, they can turn into whatever the heck they want. Always picture them wearing, I guess, like human skin suits or something like that. Something creepy. Yeah. Somewhere like you know, like in every movie, if you punch them, then their eyes a little wonky, and you can see their actual being underneath. That's not going to happen yeah. if you punch like a world leader or something. Some men in black stuff. I don't know. I've never punched a world leader, so I can't say with it's, certainty. Uh, for the record, I would never punch a world leader, so nobody come after me. Yeah, don't do it. Um, Archons can shapeshift, though. It can turn into... But when they're... The, the form they take on most often, according to Ike, is they look like little reptilian entities called... Gray, they're called greys. So that's where the reptilian part of this theory kind of come from, comes from within Ike's little spin on it. Um, and he says that greys look like little unborn babies with gray skin and dark, unmoving eyes. Ooh. But it sounds to me like the way you described it, it sounds to me like the the classic alien, what an alien looks like, you know, gray, big, long head, giant eyes. Yeah. But that's what Ike says the Archons look like. So in case you ever run across one, that's what you're looking at. And according, I, I watched a Vice interview between Ike and Vice host Kevin Morpurgo. I don't know if that's how you say his last name. I probably butchered it. But one of Ike's more recent theories is that the moon is actually a hollow planet where all of these Archons conduct all of their work to control all of our minds <laughs> a, a good question so what? they look like your typical alien but they're reptilian so they're not like what i'm picturing like a giant reptile it almost sounds like he's trying to marry a bunch of ideas together he's got the gnostic archons who have no physiology written down and then you've got the anunnaki and the quetzalcoatl serpent beings and then you've got the greys from roswell and, and pop culture and it's like he's trying to mix them all together. So what you end up with is something that's kind of like the the Dino people from the Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, I mean that's what it sounds like he's done effectively. It does seem like he is like saying that all a lot of these of past events, especially like the Snake God, were you know these were ancient writings that were telling us that hey this was happening even back then and it's, yeah. it's continu- continuing now. Yeah. It's still going on, y'all. But they don't actually look like snakes. No, they. I don't think they actually look like snakes. But he, uh, a lot of people, you know, obviously Ike's theories are a little out there and a little crazy. And some people, like, really believe in what he has to say. He has speeches year-round where he goes and talks to, I'm not, I'm not going to say, hundreds, uh, hundreds of people. I'm not going to say thousands. Well, according to the survey, it's one of the most popular conspiracy theories that people believe. It's millions of people that believe it. It is a lot of people that believe in these lizard people. I can see that. But Ike, he he says, I like this quote that he had to say, quote, the truth doesn't change because you don't want to hear it. Which I think is a very nice little quote. It's a good life lesson. When it's not applied to lizard people, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a very interesting fellow. He sold 20 million books worldwide. I couldn't find any seemingly accurate figures on what he's worth, but I know that he does apparently sell out rooms. I'm not going to say stadiums, but he sells out his speeches. Tickets are about 40 to $50 a piece. Wow, man, I need to start a religion. Yeah, I tried to find one near us, but he's not speaking in Atlanta anytime soon. So that's just a little bit about the origin of this fun little conspiracy theory. James, what do you know about the biology of said lizard people? (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot to unpack about the the physiology. There's a lot of things that, that seem plausible, and then 
there are a lot of things that really make it difficult for me to accept. Let's start with the most obvious quality that they have, and that's shape-shifting. That's, from a, from a scientific standpoint, that's really not something that sounds like it could, could really be feasible. I mean, there's lots of animals in nature that resemble other things. I mean, sometimes to an amazing degree. Uh, we've all seen amazing examples of camouflage, but full-blown shape-shifting, that would require a biology that's just so far removed from anything that we've ever seen that, that it, it's, it's difficult to wrap your head around. The only thing I can think of that even comes close to that kind of behavior is nothing reptilian, but you know, a lot of cephalopods, cuttlefish, squid, octopus, they can do some remarkable shape-shifting. I, I saw a clip not too long ago of, I think it was a, yeah, it was a cuttlefish, and it was pretending to be a hermit crab. I mean, humans, we're, we're very visual creatures. We're good at distinguishing shapes and colors and things like that. It looked like a hermit crab. And then another cuttlefish came up and tried to eat it, at which point it immediately announced, you know, whoa, 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 I'm a cuttlefish, not, not a hermit crab. It was really Why something. Why was it acting see. like a hermit crab? That's the weirdest thing about cephalopods. You know, in fact, it's funny. If I could said that they were cephalopods, I'd be like, okay, that, that sounds right. <laughs> because in this case, I think the thing, no joke, was just bored and entertaining itself. They are really complicated. So if they get bored, that means they've got a higher trainer. Oh, oh, yes. I mean, I honestly think, like, if somebody asked me, if humans died out tomorrow, what would be the dominant species on the planet? It would be, it would be a coin toss for me between elephants and cephalopods because they're very, very intelligent. And at some point, I can see them using tools. So not <laughs> lizards, though. That, that's the thing. There's not a single lizard on Earth that really has much in the way of IQ. In fact, I would go so far as to say when it comes to social intelligence, there are insects that are better than, than lizards. Honeybees, for example, you know, they can, they can operate as a group. There aren't any lizards that can operate as a group. They don't have that kind of collective intelligence. So huh. uh, that, that right there is a problem, shape-shifting. I, I have trouble imagining that working. The only thing I can think of that would kind of work would be if, one, they are supernatural beings like the archons in Gnosticism, or two... They have a physiology. God, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. They have a physiology like Dracula in Blade Three, <laughs> like a bunch of little bones that can sort of be moved around. Another problem that I've noticed is in the clips where they always say, you know, this is a lizard person, and we've seen a few. They tend to blink with nictating membranes, which that's totally believable. I can see that being a thing, nictating membranes in lizards. Alligators have it, uh, which they're not lizards, but they're related. Things like that, I can I can imagine that being the case. The problem is, and oh, what is that specifically? Oh, in right, case we have anybody right. listening who a doesn't know what that is, a nictating membrane is sort of like a additional pair of eyelids that are underneath the the conventional eyelids that sort of can keep an eye moist or dust free in certain environments. Cats have them, alligators have them, several other reptiles do. Certain marine mammals, I'm pretty sure beavers or muskrats have them, but I'm not completely sure. Yeah, but that's kind of, it's like an additional pair of eyelids that are translucent. And uh, the best example of that I can see in uh, popular fiction would be the way that cephalopoid blinks at the beginning of uh, Men in Black. You know, that weird, creepy sideways blink. You oh, can okay. tell, you can tell that it's not normal. Yeah. One interesting thing to note, though, also about the eyes, though, and this is a skeptical thing, is... Humans 
are unusual. Primates are unusual in that we do not have a uh, tapetum lucidum, which is this membrane that just about every living thing, it's us and jumping spiders and other primates that don't have this, where, you know, everybody's familiar with laser cats, you know, that little meme. Uh, if you look at a picture of a dog or a cat or an alligator or a cow or just about any animal that has complex eyes, they, they glow in the dark. There's no pictures of these, these so-called lizard people with that quality. And you'd think that if they had a reptilian ancestry, they would have it. It's kind of implausible for me to think that alongside us, there's some kind of co-verging evolution where, where lizards have eyes that similar to ours. Oh. So that's an issue that I take with it. And that's an interesting hang, uh, hang up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shape-shifting in the eyes. That's, that's the thing that I find oddest. Another thing is, is lifespan. Do we know how long these things live? Um, can individuals live a long time? I, I don't know how long they live for. Mm. I didn't really talk about that. But I the way I think of it is it's a long time. Ah. They kind of live. I read some, some articles that said that they lived inside the earth, like in caves and stuff. Ah. And that's where they kind of primarily resided and they came come out. But yeah, a lot of the articles I read made it sound like human lifespans are shorter. A, I mean, a lot shorter. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, see, that that's one of the things I was kind of wondering about because cold-blooded animals, porcelothermic animals, they tend to live longer than homeotherms like us. And you and I, all three of us, we're homeotherms. We're mammals. And so we have a set temperature that's really high. Like if you were to take a thermometer and put it in an alligator's mouth, it would be whatever the temperature is outside. But if you were to put it on a mammal's, in a mammal's mouth, it, it would be a very high temperature by comparison. So you'd think that's another issue. I don't believe there's a single homeothermic reptile on Earth. Couldn't we just out all these people by wearing like thermal cameras? You'd think their temperature would be much lower. So that's another issue. I mean, it, it does happen. There are homeotherms that, are, that have evolved in places you wouldn't expect, like great white sharks. There are fish. But they're homeotherms, which is terrifying to me. But, you know, the case that there just be one that happened to occur and, and it happens to look like people, that's that's a bit uh, strange by my reckoning. It's like he's trying to marry together the Anunnaki and the Greys, you know, like two different theories and say they're the same. That's that that's the most interesting thing to me about the physiology, though. Let's let's think about the Anunnaki. You know, he says that Quetzalcoatl is, is like the Aztec version of, of the lizard people and the Anunnaki are like the Assyrian or Sumerian version of the lizard people and so forth. Well, that's interesting because there are what dragons in every culture. Uh, every flipping civilization has dragons. But that was, I mean, it is interesting they came to the same conclusion, but a lot of that is also because they had no idea to explain dinosaur bones when they came across interesting. them. Interesting. See, see I, that's, an, that's an interesting theory that it's about dinosaurs. See, I was thinking of something else. Yeah, yeah, that's what I the thought of, especially uh, the Vikings, is is that when they came across dinosaur bones, they believed that it was a dragon, ah. and so that was their explanation for See, I, what they were finding. I've heard an alternative theory, but I like yours. But what I've heard is is the reason why Quetzalcoatl and Anunnaki and all those things were they're found in every culture is we evolved from monkeys, and well, we evolved from apes, and apes evolved from monkeys, and so we're used to like tree life. That's why we got two eyes in front of our heads, you know, so we have good depth perception because we don't want to fall out of the branches. 
Well, if you are a primate and you're living in a tree, the three things that scare us the most, and you can see this with like monkey species today, they usually have three warning calls, like just three. It's like three separate words for three separate threats, a hawk, a snake, and a jaguar. Well, if you take traits from all three of those animals and you mix them together, you give it wings, you give it a big old massive scary set of jaws, and you give it scales, boom, you got a dragon. So some people think that's what it is, that it's really just the three ancestral fears that we have, like our primal, just the deepest brainstem memories of what, what scares us rolled into one thing. In any event, oh, that, I like yeah, that. I, I do too. <laughs> but in, What do the individual warning calls sound like, uh, James? Do you know those <laughs> off the top of your head? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Yeah, not sure, but they're different. That's the most interesting thing about it. So like if you're a monkey, you only know a few words or whatever equates to words, and three of them happen to be those things. So yeah, neat stuff. So so yeah. Interesting, James. Yeah, so really, bottom line, in summation, looking at the physiology, that puts me more on the skeptical end of things. That being said, I'm going to be a little more open with regard to Alex's stuff because – some of that kind of makes me want to be a believer. So take it away, Alex. Well, my main topic, and I'll get into to our, uh, it's, I guess it's kind of a game or something at the end. But my main topic is about lizard men. So it's more widely known about CeCe's topic and James's topic, this lizard men conspiracy, these people that have been controlling the governments of the world, shaping how everything happens and just, you know, we're just kind of their livestock for them to feed off of. But when I was researching, I ran into something I thought was interesting. We all know Bigfoot, and that'll be a topic we'll cover another time. But there's a lizard equivalent to Bigfoot, <laughs> and he's most prominently found in South Carolina. He's called the Lizard Man of Bishopville, South Carolina. And he was first seen in about in the 70s by this guy who he thought he was seeing a log. He stopped, he stopped by, I believe he was riding his bike down the street or something like that. He stopped off and he was tying his shoes and stuff. And then he thought he saw a log. And suddenly he sees this tall figure standing over him with red eyes and sharp claws. And sure enough, a car drives by and the thing scurries off into the swamp. That, that was the first claim. Pretty far-fetched. Who cares? The next one is the big one by this guy named Christopher Davis. And so he's driving at night and he has to pull his car over because he gets a flat tire. And suddenly, while he's changing his tire, he finally gets done and he hears a sound behind him in the woods. There's no lights around. He's in the middle of a long stretch of land with forests on both sides, swamps on both sides. And this figure comes out. And it attacks him. And so I've actually got his account of what happened. I figured I'd just give that. I've got two different accounts I'm going to give today. Sure. This one, I think is pretty cool. And so what, what Davis says is, and I got this off of the website Mysterious Universe. I found a couple other websites with it, but I found it there first. What he says is, I looked back and I saw something running across the field towards me. It was about 25 yards away and I saw red glowing eyes. I ran into the car and as I locked it, the thing grabbed the door handle. I could see him from the neck down. It had three big fingers, long black nails, and a green rough skin. It was strong and angry. I looked in my mirror and I saw a blur of green running. I could see his toes and then he, as he jumped up on the roof of my car. I thought I heard a grunt and then I could see his fingers through the front windshield. 
where they curled around on the roof. I sped up and swerved to shake the creature off. And so, after this, his car was a wreck. He ran home, told his dad what happened, and they went and reported it to the police. And sure enough, there's three claw marks all over the car. On the roof, the side view mirror was completely destroyed, and he had all these marks all across it, but there's no evidence of anything else. Wow. This has become a sensation. They have a Comic-Con slash Lizard-Con hybrid where people come and celebrate this thing. I mean, there's merchandise of this all over the town. It's really cool, but it's really taken off. There haven't been quite as cool sightings since then, but his his is the most plausible because there was no evidence to the contrary. A lot of the cops didn't know what it was. Even some uh, zoologists couldn't make out what some of the scratches and stuff were. They said they didn't know what they were. So I thought that was pretty cool. But there's another claim. I like this one. It was this guy. He was in town off of army duty. He came into town and he says that he encounters this thing in the street. He's walking and he shoots it. And so after he shoots it, he goes and he collects blood and scales that he finds on the ground from where he shot it. The weird thing is he goes in to the police with his evidence (laughs) And the first thing they do is, hey, you're not supposed to have a gun. (laughs) (laughs) They get ready to charge him for his unlawful possession of a gun. And he recants his statement. And that's the last they hear of it. Oh, wait a minute now. Why wasn't he supposed to have a gun? Uh, I don't think believe he had a license to carry a gun off the base. Oh, I see. I was about to say, because if it was for private charges for like maybe being on bath salts (laughs) or schizophrenia, maybe that was the So he got a misdemeanor (laughs) charge of unlawful possession of a gun, and that was the last of that story. But I thought it was pretty funny that this guy comes in with evidence. They tell him, hey, uh, you're actually guilty of a crime. And he goes, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, wow. But most sightings are primarily in that area. Uh, There is one other sighting that's pretty cool. Almost all sightings have a green lizard man who is probably about eight to nine feet tall. He's huge. But this one is interesting because two people saw the same thing. Oh, Hmm. and I forgot to mention about the other one. The guy passed a polygraph test. Hmm. I know know it doesn't mean a whole lot, but the guy at least probably believes it himself. Uh, in this one, two guys encountered this on a race, on a bicycle race that goes, it's apparently, it's this huge 17 mile course that goes through, it's apparently east of Tucson. So if you all live in that area, you might have heard of this story. So they're around the halfway point and this thing comes up. They get off their bikes for a minute. And so here's their story. We have been riding for a while. I don't know, maybe nine hours, taking breaks every now and then. And then Michael says he needs to stop for a minute. We are waiting for him to finish, and all of a sudden we see a lone figure walking across the trail. He is maybe six foot tall, very skinny, and it had an awkward gait, like a monkey, or a man, (laughs) (laughs) or a Zuckerberg, with a disease, almost robotic. And then all I remember about Michael is him saying, what the hell is that, or something like that. But he sounded far away. He probably used a different word instead of hell. Thing is, We had somehow walked a little towards the thing. Don't ask me why. Maybe to look at it better, not knowing what it was. He, the creature, stopped and made eye contact with me. And I could see him clearly. The eyes were kind of like a snake's with black and with a yellow stripe in the middle of the eye. It had a green and red scales on its face and head. The red color 
was kind of like the same as the desert sand. And it looked like a little sandy texture too. It didn't have a nose, only two holes on it. And I couldn't see any ears or hair. A red mouth of what looked like blood all around it. But it didn't look like it was bleeding. It looked more like a pattern. It reminded me of a chameleon, but it looked like a person too. So this is more of a, like a, it's more of like a little half human hybrid. It sounds like, but apparently it creeped them both out and they shot off and finished the race. They still finished the race. (laughs) Don't worry. Wow. I kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, we've got the shapeshifter types. It's kind of interesting that there might be like feral lizard people. (laughs) Like they're, they don't play by the, the same rules as the, those civilized lizard people. They, they just walk around with their scales out. Yeah, they don't care. They have nothing to hide. But the, the first account's my favorite. The second one's pretty interesting. And there's a third one, hmm. uh, a Sparks Notes version. This kid goes and crawls into this little weird area uh, with a door. And he grabs a pipe with weird writing on it, takes it home. His family ha- has the pipe with him. And they're not attacked, but they're threatened outside. And it lingers outside and keeps like staring at him. And the next day after it runs off, the mom threatens it and it runs off. And so the next day, the family went back and put the pipe back where it belonged. And they were never bothered again. Mm, interesting. Trippy so stuff. Three different, three wildly different takes on the, well, I guess. They're, two, not, they're not crazy different. Two of them were different. I guess the, the desert is a little different than the other two. Yeah. But most sightings are in South Carolina. But there are some in Arizona, and another one, the last one is in Nevada. So, you know. Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting, temperature-wise, those are all plausible for, like, lizards. You know, if those were in, like, Manitoba, I'd be like, that's nonsense. <laughs> but, I mean, those are all places with really mild winters where there's a lot of native reptiles, you know. kind of interesting. Yeah. Now, most of the science dictates that there's no way these things could exist because the amount of food they would need. We would have seen them by now. Interestingly enough, though, here's here's the thing. If they are poikilotherms, they would need to eat a lot less, though. That's the strange thing, like one big meal. So, like, assuming, I mean, of course, I don't buy it, but assuming if they were cold-blooded, mm, they could probably get by, you know? Like, I mean, look at so the size of some gators. There are 1,000-pound gators in the Everglades. They usually, when they do die, they die of starvation because they get to a certain size, but, I mean, like, 200 pound gator they'd be fine mm-hmm. you know yeah so confirmed real they do exist <laughs> <laughs> so who are some people who are said to be okay lizard people so obviously none of these people are my kind of lizard man what's the, your kind of lizard man the tall green and handsome kind that attack your car <laughs> you know, big claws. I want them out in the open. I don't want these ones wearing fake skin or whatever I keep picturing, you know. Yeah. But, all right. So, here's some people. But the interesting thing I find is David Icke's big belief is that these beings are not creative, right? Yeah. They've so, infiltrated our world. So, that's the that's kind of the ironic or, conund- I guess, the conundrum that a lot of these things fall into is... Almost literally every single person that's a lizard person is creative in some way. How do we know that they're the creative one? Yeah, it all true. goes to the top. Shakespeare was a lizard. As as Ike calls them, <laughs> he calls them all glove puppets. Yeah. Glove puppets. Glove puppets. That's my favorite new term. That's your insult to somebody that can't yeah. think. You're just a glove puppet. Yeah. Ooh. 
Well, it, it kind of ties in with the NPC meme and the golem idea. There's a lot of, some people say it's just, you know, people being solipsists or narcissists, but uh, there's been a lot of ex- times where I've been out and about and I've just thought, there's no way that person is like a normal person. There's no way they think and feel the way a normal person does. And this goes double for, like, you look at Silicon Valley. Your average programmer out there, they make, you know, six, seven figures a year. But then you talk to them, and it's like talking to a flipping machine. This list, uh, I want everybody to give their opinion on them. So this is more substantial than me just rattling off some names. Oh, of course. All right. Justin Bieber. Now, before before y'all go... He is one of the few that people absolutely claim to have seen change it to a lizard person in the desert. So supposedly there's video evidence, but I haven't seen it. So I you go CC, you go with your opinion first. I could see it. He doesn't write his own music. Yeah. At least I don't think so. Uh, I say yeah too. Uh one, the hair. That's weird. Like like who looks in a mirror and says, Yeah, let me go with that. <laughs> a flipping lizard. That's who. I look like a mammal. Like that's what that's that's exactly that's what he did. He went to a barber and he was like, "Make me look like a mammal." <laughs> and uh, and also his he's very he's very easily prone to anger. And it's like that scene uh, in what was that biology documentary? Oh yeah, The Water Boy, where they talk about an alligator's. Uh, oh shoot, what's the part of the body that, that controls oblongata. anger? Medulla oblongata. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a very big medulla oblongata. <laughs> like a lizard. He is said to be very emotional. Well, there you go. Yeah. Got big medulla on um, hmm. All right. Here's one that's like, this is certain. Like, everybody knows this is a lizard person. Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Her husband, too. There's not even a conversation to be had. This is a definite. Okay. Here's another definite. Slam dunk. Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. Yeah. That's what makes me a believer. Honestly, like, like I would be a complete skeptic except for all the photos and interviews of that guy. There is no way. Like, people are like, where's the proof in lizard people? He's the proof in lizard <laughs> yeah. people. There's pictures of him and his knees bend the other way. When he was having to testify oh, yeah. in Washington, that was, he was pretty terrifying. Yeah. The drinking the water. I mean, goodness. Um, here's, a, here's a favorite. Here's a favorite. Barack Obama. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't no. know if I buy this one. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't. All right. Since we're, I'll follow up this this possibly controversial one with another one. Donald Trump. No. Oh, no. He, I don't think he could be, could be controlled by anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couple that with the fact that it's just kind of like the the opposite of Bieber. Like, there's no way he went to a barber and said. You know, make me inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, uh, if he did have a lizard person controlling him, or he was one, there's no way he wouldn't have blabbed about it already. That's true. Yeah, I have the best lizard person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Lady Gaga. No. Far too creative. She's she's doing all that all that creative stuff herself. I, I like Lady Gaga. That's I think that true. she is totally one hundred percent human. I didn't ask if you liked her. Yeah, but I still think. And again, that that whole uh, little monsters thing that might be a dog whistle to lizards. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last one, Michael Jackson. Ooh, I'd be more inclined to say Joe Jackson. His dad was a lizard. <laughs> that guy's scary. Well, his dad was he looks like a Gila monster. By... He could have been adopted. Yeah, you could have been, but no. Except for, yeah. apparently he struggled with looking like his dad. That was part of his problem. Anyway. 
Oh, interesting. I yeah. no, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so either. Actually, I think he's weird, but I don't. Think he's <laughs> yeah, a lizard person. What about you, James? Yeah, I'm gonna go with lizard hybrid. There okay. you go. I'll take that. That's a good one. Yeah. Like good middle ground. Okay. But that's all that I got. I mean, some of the lists said like Miley Cyrus. I'm like, eh, I don't no. really care. I didn't really care about Justin Bieber, but since people supposedly had video proof, I figured I'd include it. And then there was also uh, the most baffling one was, I believe, Vox put this one up. Uh, their most baffling one was Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. So I left that one out uh. for obvious reasons. The only explanation for that is that Vox is run by lizards and they're just trying to screw it. Oh, well, we already we, we all know that. And it, it certainly isn't from anyone in this reality. No. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's all I got. High five. We're all high fiving because we just got done with our first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, for one, would love to get some feedback on what we can improve on. And what do you just, guys want to hear about? Yeah, let us know. Let us know things we could change about the show to improve it and, you know, make it more palatable or take it in the direction you are interested in. Yeah. Maybe with less awkward silences like this also. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need we need like a, a, a farewell line. Like, uh, let's think. Stay weak. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, where's that farewell really going to be? That's not an awful one, but, yeah. you know, I'm not opposed to, to stay weird, but we can definitely sit and think on it. Yeah, let's think on it. <laughs> uh, Wait, we didn't tell the people. What's our next episode? Next episode, we're going to dive deep into the world of Flat Earth, Hollow Earth, and Donut Earth. Which, I had no idea Donut Earth was a thing, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to be absolutely excited to hear about that one. Yeah, I've been given that the task of researching that. So which one did I get? Thanks, guys. Did I get flat Earth? Yeah. Oh man, look at me. Our music is "Signal" by Grant Cook. You can find him on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, almost anywhere you can find music. All right. Well, cool. We'll see you next time, and stay weird. Stay weird. Or whatever we're gonna do. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. crazy reptilian people. I look like a mammal.